Welcome to Uncaged. Today we're speaking with James Fountain. James is doing all the stuff that we all dream about doing, but he's actually <laughs> making it happen. He has a long career in the sustainability space as a leader in kind of working on all those lovely ESG challenges that companies have faced. But more interestingly, he's really moved in as a fellow at the Explorers Club and the Royal Geographical Society, and he's working on sustainability storytelling and some really, really exciting projects. We'll get into all of those things today. But before we get there, James, tell us a little bit about you and, and your career. Yeah, thanks again for having me on the show, Brandt. I really, really Absolutely. appreciate it. It's a, a good opportunity and great to meet you personally. Um, so my background, you know, as you mentioned, is uh, is in sustainability. You know, I've got a long career doing it. You know, I started my career um, with the National Geographic Society, you know, way back. And that was really making maps at the time. So I was, I was a cartographer for them that slowly evolved into a master's degree in cultural geography from the University of Montana. And then on to the United Nations and then the a bunch of big four consulting from there on. To where I've, I've, I've consulted organizations on everything from, you know, the climate strategy, you know, to their sustainability plan, sustainability strategy, to their ESG strategy. So all, all things in between at the, at the strategic level, you know, usually coming in with a C-suite and uh, helping them to define, you know, what what their transition toward a sustainable organization looks like, you know, wow. or decarbonized sustainable decarbonized organization looks like. And then work with my team to build out the, the roadmap and strategy from there. Uh, most recently, though, however, you know, I've, I'm working on, you know, spending a lot of time on several of my side projects. Oh, you know, uh, well, let's get into that. I mean, we're definitely living in a moment where sustainability is discussed almost constantly in the media in some form or fashion. You can't have big events like Davos without this sitting centrally <laughs> in the discussion. But I mean, now you're working on some very interesting projects. Tell me a little bit about what you're excited about and some of these latest projects. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no. So, you know, recently, you know, I'm I'm just wrapping up probably by the end of this week, I will finish the draft of the fourth book in a four book series that will begin coming out in uh, January. And the, the series is called Our Changing World. You know, it, it's really taking a look at several different aspects of sustainability, everything from you know, and it's all kind of centered around a cultural perspective and a cultural, a multicultural approach towards solving the sustainability and climate crisis that we're in. First book hits that specifically. But the second book is kind of like, like the past, present, and future of sustainability, the current state of sustainability. Mm -hmm. The third is on, on, on social justice and social rights, uh, environmental justice, you know, that's that sustainability. And then the fourth book, the final book, will be on sustainable business, you know, where we are, right. you know, uh, you know where where I think it's going. You know what what we need to do as as uh, inter, uh, entrepreneurs and business executives to facilitate the successful transition into sustainable business in a sustainable strategy. And it's not meant, the whole thing is meant for anybody interested anybody interested in sustainability. It's not just business folks. Um, so that's a book series I have coming out. I also am a documentarian. You know, so I I'm working on a, a documentary with the Republic of Uzbekistan at the moment to where we'll be taking a look at their protected natural areas, you know, and how community-led conservation is being facilitated to ensure their longevity of, of, of those areas. And so basically what they're doing, you know, they're, you know, they're, Uzbekistan, you know, traditionally has had some challenges, environmentally speaking, you know, with the mm -hmm. 
If you don't know the arrow, well, if anybody in the audience does not know about the RLC, it's worth looking up to see what has happened to it. You know, a lot of it's post like Soviet legacy, but you know, they're making significant strides in, in ameliorating a lot of their environmental issues, you know, and they're doing that with communities who live there. They're incorporating community folks around there. So it's, it's, really, it's a really good success story. Um, another project I'm working on right now is a, is a docu-series. You know, one of my, one of the organizations I work with is the Explorers Club. We'll probably get into mm -hmm. that at some point. Um, you know, and through the Explorers Club, I've, I've had, had an opportunity to, you know, meet a lot of really interesting folks. And part of that is I'm riding a motorcycle around the world um, to very remote communities and indigenous communities uh, and really getting their take on how climate change and biodiversity loss and global development is impacting them. Mm -hmm. Taking a look, you know, taking a look at you know historically, you know, you know from you know your children's generation to yours to, you know, your your antecedents, uh, how is it impacting your culture? And we're working with a group right now to, to turn that into a, a docu series and a yeah. couple of other projects all all around telling the story of sustainability, you know, and how its impact is affecting us as a global citizen. That's amazing. I mean, these stories are so critical right now and so pertinent for the world that we're experiencing and the changes that we're living through and trying to find answers. I mean, I know, and you have such an interesting background, James, because you've worked with many, many companies in the space, and now you're working on telling these stories. When you look at the situation today for businesses, what is it that's kind of top of mind you know what are they focusing on and are we making progress to hopefully you know alleviate some of these challenges you know that's a that is a heated question about whether or not we're making progress <laughs> you know but but you know i you know i i, I take an optimistic approach toward it and yes i i believe that we are making making approaches or making progress toward it um, ESG is kind of a controversial topic, you know, at least here in the States and depending on where you live in the States, you know, which, which side of the aisle you sit on. I think ESG is actually helping, you know, with, with, with the movement, you know, if, if nothing else, what ESG does is it raises awareness and it, it provides a level of accountability, you know, to organizations that can be counted and measured and viewed at it by investors, you know, by, you know, who can, who can determine whether or not, you know, your organization based upon, you know, a new set of materiality, you know, which is effectively, you know, you know, traditionally we looked at financial materiality. What are the financial factors that determine the value of a business? When we look at non-financial materiality in, a, in ESG, environmental, social, and governance, uh, corporate governance, we look at non-financial materiality. We look at things like, you know, where, where are you getting your source products from? You know, do they have, you know, is, is that source product at risk of erosion or running out of water? You know, or human rights issues, you know, mm -hmm. and you look at those things that may change the way investors value businesses. So that's what we call non-financial materiality. Those things that that can determine the value of a business that is not necessarily financial. Mm. On the you know, so I think ESG is helping with that. You know, I, I think that we are as a global, you know, globally, I, I think that we are getting a better understanding of what sustainability is. And, mm -hmm. and where going, what needs to happen. The the challenge I think right right now is where is at the policy level. I think you know a lot of the big organizations get it. You know, a lot of the big organizations are actually implementing sound sustainability strategies um, that are not required of them by their government by policy. Right. It's getting policy and, and you know in the larger and I'll say this to the fossil fuel act, the fossil fuel actors, and it's getting them on, on board and in play to understand that those are the areas that need to change to really uh, 
project us toward a sustainable world? I mean, it's an interesting one. I feel like we're at one of those moments where we're taking steps forward, but then kind of we're learning kind of the challenges with things that have been put in place. And then we're moving steps forward again and then stepping <laughs> back a bit. Yeah, last couple of weeks, I was reading about how some of these organizations, the universities in California were basically saying that they were going to drop some of the carbon structures that they were focused on to get to kind of carbon neutral, because in essence, some of their partners, they didn't feel had ethical practices or even effective practices. What do you make of all of those challenges? No, I'm generally, I think what you're describing is is what we call like an ethical divestiture. You know, we're, mm. we're divesting our interest in an organization because, you know, they have poor practices. Now, I'm mm. generally not a fan of that. I mean, to me, that that's like a last resort. You know, I mean, to me, I think a more sound approach is to, you know, instead of penalize, you know, the organization and cancel them, you know, as we, as we you know, as, as we may say, and, you know, because cancel culture is a thing here in the States. Yeah. You know? Rather than do that, my 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 suggestion to organizations would be to you know work with them to help them be be a more sustainable organization themselves because it will help you ultimately. You know, um, sorry to wax on this for a second here, but yeah, yeah, go of, ahead. But what a lot of organizations don't understand, you know, it's like when you go in from from sustain when you go transitioning to a sustainability mindset and sustainability operations, you know, really what we're talking about is. It's it's just probably history's largest organizational change management effort. You know, we're changing corporate paradigm. That's it. You know, we used to think this way, yeah. now we're thinking this way. We used to do this, now we're doing this. But, but to do this requires an investment. It's not mm -hmm. a cost. You know, sustainability does not belong in a cost center. It, it actually belongs in the investment center. Because what's happening is, you know, you're, you know, you, granted, there, there is an upfront cost, you know, which could be helping that organization you know, with, with their sustainability initiatives, maybe you mm -hmm. give them, a, maybe you give them incentives, you know, some, some sort of financial incentivization to green their business and green their operations. In the long run, long run, those cost savings they're going to get from going green because green almost always goes, going green almost always goes towards cost savings. It benefits your organization long-term. But again, it's shifting from short-term investment to long-term viability of the organization. So, I mean, you clearly have a deep, deep passion for sustainability and you've spent your career working on it and you're certainly working on some great projects, but how do you incorporate, I would say, not only your passion, but your, really your expertise in sustainability in the way you tell these stories? You know, and that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, about, about the sustainability movement, I think, you know, you, you know. Given given the position I've had uh, at several organizations and recently, you know, one of the things I've learned the most is a lot of organizations understand the metrics. They mm -hmm. they understand the numbers and the dollars and cents and the and the KPIs and you know and, and all the metrics they need to go to go sustainable, but they don't get the why. You know, mm. and I think storytelling, you know, whether it be in, in the form of just saying on stage and telling a story, whether it be by book, by TV a movie, I think it really hits that why. I think when you can hit somebody, I mean, if, if a story is done well, you know, or effectively, you know, a story hits somebody at the emotive level, you know, in the emotive level, the emotions insight change. You know, if, if there's that person who's on the fence about, I guess, sustainability, but it's expensive, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, it's a headache, but, you know, if you can hit them emotively, you know, if you can get them to see why the change is necessary, not just for the Accord or Bhutan, but for you, Ben, and for me, yeah. business owner, 
If you can get them to understand that, that insights change, that insights progress, and that is how sustainability will go forward. Yeah. I also think just based on the conversation with you, James, and looking at your background, you know, one of the things that clearly pops out is because you have such a clear sense of the broader issues that enterprises and governments are facing, when you actually have these acute conversations with people in local diverse communities, um, you're able to pinpoint questions that perhaps wouldn't have come to just a general documentarian. I think that's to me clearly got to be a strength of how you tell your stories. Thank you so much for saying that, for picking that up, actually, you know, in business, you know, th- those, you know, those of us who are familiar with Six Sigma, they understand the concept of going to the Gimba, yeah. you know, and going to the Gimba is effectively, you know, it, it, it's, I'm going to butcher the true definition of this, so, so all you Six Sigma <laughs> out there, I apologize, <laughs> but, but it's essentially, you know, like, you know, the, the executive team going to the ground level, you know, and understanding how every part of the, of the organization works from, from the ground level, from the guy putting the in the box on the assembly line, you know, up to, you know, the senior vice president who reports to you. It's understanding how that works. When, when, when I do this trip, from a business perspective, mind you, from a business perspective, you know, this is me going to the, you know, this, this is me seeing, you know, where all this sustainability jargon and mumbo jumbo that I preach to these executives, this is me seeing it in action, seeing, seeing how it's really playing out. And, yeah. and it, it frames my narrative in speaking to them. Yeah. But more importantly, when I go to these areas, you know, I understand the concept and the perspective of the people who are really living, living the detriments of, of you know, the, the global north or the, or the global west's approach toward, you know, business over, over the last several decades. You know, yeah. So I, I hear from them and they have solutions because they've been living it. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, it's one of those things that I think... Perhaps a lot of us, you know, that have been around for a while in the business world, you know, worked in big companies and little companies and, you know, played strategic roles and very tactical roles. And, you know, the best laid strategy falls apart if you can't make the right decisions in the room, right? And so I think it's the same thing applies to almost every area of life. So if you, you know, there may be a grand plan in some boardroom somewhere, but uh, if the aid doesn't get somewhere or if the if the systems don't get implemented correctly or the processes get blocked because of a local ritual that hasn't been factored in, you know, I can imagine it causes a lot of challenges. You got it. You know, I mean, it, it's, as they say, you know, data leads to insights, insights leads to decision, you know, but, but again, storytelling, lived experience, again, going back, go, going to the Gimba, I encourage all leaders to do this, go to the Gimba. You yeah. Know, you know, lived experience, storytelling leads to the action. It, it, it leads to getting it done. It leads, it, it incites movement, you know? Well, so. James, I mean, you're working on a lot of really interesting projects. And so I'm imagining that it's hard to pick your, you know, your favorite baby amongst all of them. <laughs> but what's giving you the most joy right now from your work? And really, when you work on one of these things, how do you really make sure that you're amplifying the impact of those stories that you're telling? Yeah, I mean, lately, giving me the most joy is actually going to bed at night. It's, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been breakneck. I mean, I, I'm just, I really have a, a lot going on right now. 
Um, but you know, a lot of the joy comes just simply in making a difference. You know, you know, it's it, it's so easy in corporate America to institute a sustainability strategy and be really disconnected from it. Just just a, simply being another an, another business process. You know, mm. you know, or another you know another thing that the senior executive team says we have to do. And just you know, knowing that making a difference, I get I get a lot of joy in that. You know, and and in amplification. You know, again, I, I work with indigenous communities. In very remote communities, those that that's where my focus of sustainability sets in. So I'm not telling their stories per se. You know, really, what I'm trying to do is use my privilege as a you know middle-aged white guy from the West. You know, you try to use the platform that I have to amplify their story and, yeah. and help the rest of our world know that you know, yeah, we got science on our side, but you know, science is only one way of understanding the world. You know, there, there's there are many other perspectives and paradigms that can go into a sustainability strategy or global decarbonization plans, you know, and, and, and helping to bring that awareness, you know, to, to the West, get a lot of satisfaction because it can ultimately, it can change policy. Yeah. yeah. That's what we need to do. We need to change policy for, to, to make sure, you know, indigenous rights are, are reserved and respected, respected, excuse me. So, James, along the way today, you mentioned that you're an optimist. It's always <laughs> wonderful to talk to someone who's a sustainability expert who's an optimist. Gives me tremendous hope. But uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts for the near future. I mean, here we are entering 24. What's on the docket for 2024 that you'd say is of note? And what's on the docket for you? Well, you know, I mean, I guess globally, you know, I, I, yeah, I think... I think our youth is what's on the docket. You know, I mean, you know, in 2024, we're going to have, we're going to have another election here in mm. the States, you know, and our youth has a voice, you know, and our youth is very concerned, you know, from my interactions with them, you know, from, from my lectures at universities and, and other engagements, um, the youth is very concerned about the environment. So I, I have a lot of faith in, in Gen Z and younger generations in, in helping us, helping to dig us out of this situation that you know that our generations put put us in here, yeah. you know, um, through the vote. So, so look, look, look toward, look forward toward the uh, the twenty twenty four election here in the states. Internationally, I think the same thing. A lot, a lot of youth is mobilizing. You know, here in my home state of Montana, you know, high school kids want a landmark decision, you know, against some oil companies in Montana that 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 infringed upon their right to have a healthy um, ecosystem and healthy environment. I checked that one out. That was pretty good. Of course, Greta and a lot of the young activists around. So the youth is what I'm ambitious about. I think decarbonization strategies, you know, coming out of COP, I think there were some wins. I think there were some losses at a COP, you know, so I see renewable energies coming, you know, being on the horizon, you know, the you know, green hydrogen and more solar, you know, more wind power. Um, a lot of the, the newer alternative energies making a, a stronger stance next year. And of course, ESG, I mean, once the SEC really finally releases their guidance, you know, I'll see, I can see a big boom in organizations picking up their ESG strategies. Um, sorry for the long-windedness. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I think it bodes, I think, really for a year that will be perhaps perhaps emblematic of where we are, where we're going to go. You know, it is, it's absolutely right. It's an election year and that will be telling on what is the agenda going forward. It's interesting to me, I would say that before COVID, there was definitely a lot of stuff that seemed to be happening from the United Nations and from Davos. And it does seem to me that some of those things are 
taking shape. I know that there's a lot of challenges on things like you know, the right way to measure ESG, the right way mm -hmm. to measure the involvement that companies have in terms of moving towards kind of a carbon zero footprint mentality. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I suppose that will continue. There'll probably hopefully be a moment where we all somehow agree that we're going to go with VHS instead of beta, you know, the beta, you know, <laughs> you know there'll be the, the agreement. I have on, no uh, idea what you're talking about. I don't know what VHS for beta is. Oh, well, I, I, okay. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably nobody will know. But, you know, finding the pathways that we can agree, perhaps imperfect, but at least somehow good enough for us to get to the next phase of topics. And James, probably some of your stories that are going to be coming out will help shape the direction as well. If someone sure. wanted to learn more about what you're working on, where's the best place to reach you? James-Fountain.com is my, is my website. I also have a link site for needs to be updated though, but my, my website is currently under, under, under construction. Yeah. So if, if, and depending on when this gets actually published, uh, it, it Give it, give it there too. But my website, James-Fountain or course LinkedIn. Excellent. Excellent. Well, James, thank you so much for being on the Uncaged show today. We've been speaking with James Fountain and we've been talking broadly about the sustainability space. He is a leader in that space and has worked with many, many enterprises, but now is working on storytelling in the space. He's a fellow at the Explorers Club and the Royal Geographical Society. He has books coming out, docuseries coming out, documentary films coming out. James Fountain, thank you so much for being on the show. And we look forward to having you back. Bant, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the engaging conversation. Cheers. 